Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride Show and episode five and I've called this episode The Happy Chappy. Now if you've listened to my radio show recently, you'll you'll know The Happy Chappy and this gentleman has been on Salford City Radio with me uh, a few weeks ago and had a lot of positive response and yeah, quite a bit of, bit of feedback on this particular show and I've even heard somebody say it's the best show we've ever done. So welcome onto the show, Marcus Chester. Thank you for having me again, Patrick. Yes. No pressure. <laughs> yes. And it's it's midnight now. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's one for the uh, outtakes then. Yeah. Hello, midnight. Thank you for having me. Hello, Marcus. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. Good. Good. So Good. I'm delighted to have you on the show. And we'll start with a lot of people who are watching this now, not listening, but watching so they mm. can see you. No. A lot of people, maybe some have and some haven't listened to the radio show. Yeah. So we'll cover your journey a little bit and then we'll talk about some of the things that are more current and what, what we're doing at the Sounds minute. good. Sounds right. good. And as I said on the radio show, and it's been commented a lot, is your voice. You have, and don't take this as a, I know the, the joke <laughs> a is... face for radio. Yeah, <laughs> I know they have a face for radio, but... Your voice, you have um, a very rich, it's a lovely voice to listen to, very relaxing. You know, if you did uh, write your book, which we're talking about, mm. which we'll talk about after, if you did this and then did an audio book, I think it'd be a bestseller because mm. you've got um, this very smooth, very nice voice to listen to. Oh, thank you. you know, so, And that's not just me. There's a lot of comments about that. So, yeah. Thank you. So the happy chappy. Let's start with that. Mm. And well, I'll try to be. I called the show this on the radio as well. I'm using the same title. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did notice that. <laughs> yeah. And it all stems from initially how uh, I came across you mm. was that you post on social media. Yeah, uh, every right. Monday morning, we'd have a, hello, everybody, and mm. happy Monday. And this post went on, and a little bit of uh, maybe a quote or a little bit of inspiration for Monday. Mm. So mm. that was a, I used to look forward to that, mm. you know. I, I need to start doing that again, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah in fact, I think I will. You've inspired me, actually, to uh, to restart the Happy Mondays. Well, I think so, because I don't think quite often you, when you're doing something good, you know, that's uh, making people happy, putting a smile on somebody's face, you don't really maybe realise the mm. potential or the good mm. it's doing, but I, I, I still look forward to it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. No, yeah. Other people have said that as well, and um, I think I said to you before, I'm not quite sure why I, why I stopped doing it. Mm. Um, I think as much as anything else, it's just habit. Yeah. Um, I'm still not quite sure why I stopped, but yeah. I, I think I do need to start again. Mm. I did enjoy putting that sort of message out there about, you know, taking the deliberate step back from yourself and thinking about how we can all be a bit happier and a bit more fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and I think what I was also trying to do is just talk myself into it sometimes, to be honest. You know, yeah. at the start of a working week, Monday morning, and you sunny, get out of bed sunny and like, Stockport oh, it was no. at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Monday morning blues. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, there's a lot to be said for just trying to develop that deliberate um, practice of gratitude. And I think that's really where it stemmed yeah. from. Just taking a step back and, and counting my blessings, as my grandma yeah. used to say. Well, they, they call it, they, in the secrets, called the attitude of gratitude. And exactly. when you're grateful for what you have and you appreciate everything you have, you attract more of it because you're in a state of grace. Exactly, you know, exactly. I've, I've knocked my Buddha over there. Uh, but <laughs> right in, on cue, yeah. state of grace and Buddha goes. <laughs> you, you're in a state of grace and when, you, when you're feeling good, that's what you'll draw into mm. your life. And there's a story in The Secret, which is a book and a film that I read 
I think I first read the book or saw the film actually in 2006. Right. And there's a guy and he has what he calls a gratitude rock. Mm. And he keeps this in his pocket. Mm. And every time he reaches down to grab hold of that rock, it reminds him to be grateful for something mm. as he went through his day. Mm. And then he sold these rocks, which were just rocks, mm. but he sold them. He handpicked them out of a riverbed and sold right. them and raised, I think he raised about $10,000 for a charity or something right. by selling rocks. Wow. Beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go and find a stone as soon as I leave here. I'm <laughs> well, go and find I had a, a gratitude rock. rock for a long time. So, yeah. so Marcus, ironically, you're, you're sort of a teacher now, which is, again, we'll discuss mm. later in the show, mm. but prior to being a teacher... Um, you went to a lot of schools as a child. Yeah, I did. Many yeah. different schools. Yeah, um, a lot, particularly, well, at primary school. Yeah. Um, I only ever went to one secondary school and one college. Um, but before that, primary schools. Yeah, we moved around quite a bit um, yeah. with, my, with my dad's job. I think I said to you on the radio, that left um, quite a lasting negative impact on my life, really. Um, yeah. To the point where I find it very difficult to make lasting connections with people, um, to make lasting friendships with people, quite simply because of the practicalities, we'd, we'd move. Yeah, um, I, I found that in a similar vein, I became a, a survival mechanism. I became very good at, if I had to disconnect from people, just to sort of detach the emotions and just mm, crack on. Because mm. if, I, if I didn't, then I, I, w- I would be quite low. Yeah. You know, because I constantly had to, when we moved around, I had to leave my friends behind. Mm. I can certainly relate to that. Um, Definitely. I I think the other thing um, for me was just simply the fact that I ended up inside my own head an awful lot. Um, I ended up with... That's a scary place, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it's... um, All man's problems stem from his his, his inability to sit quietly in a room on his own. That's it. Pascal. It took me a very long time to to learn that lesson. an awful long time because I, I did, I literally just spent an awful long time concocting stories in my head about how we'd ended up in, in this new school and so yeah. on and so on um, with a new group of friends in a different house. Um, and I suppose that makes it sound like my childhood was really traumatic. And on the one hand, it wasn't. It was a very safe childhood in a very nice, as it was then, part of the world. Um, yeah. Very peaceful, the sort of neighbourhood. It was Boston, Lincolnshire, which back in the early 80s you could certainly leave your front door open um, yeah yeah and we did all the time i know that sounds like a cliche um but we did so in the one sense it was a very safe place to live and a very quiet place to live but on the other hand moving around all of the time um really did um leave me with that lasting sense of yeah i suppose of trauma it was traumatic moving yeah. was traumatic in as much as it deeply upset me every time we did it but Obviously, it's made you the man you are today, you know, and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and, yeah. you, and you grow. But yeah, I, I can relate to that because obviously we talked about this uh, off air when we did the radio mm. that I was similar, that I went to a lot of schools mm. when I was younger. And each time you move, you know, you don't want to move. You're just settling in. You're yeah. getting comfortable. You're making friends. You're learning who your teachers are. Mm. You're, you're getting a little bit of rapport and and then off we went, went Off again. we go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. To the point where I can't even remember the names of the people that I went to school with, or yeah. the teachers, or even the names of the schools. Yeah, um, that's dementia, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sign of advancing years. Yeah. So, moving on from there, again, we'll we'll shorten your journey a little bit mm. for this show. But then, you, we talked about when you went to college. Yeah. 
and you were studying English, but mm. you used to run and then you became ill. Yeah, that's right. I ran all the way through secondary school, um, joined Bolton Harriers on the recommendation of a PE teacher. It was something that I found I was I was good at, really, Yeah, um, to be honest. And I, I did like, I like the fact, and I still do actually with running, that it's an incredibly solitary thing to do, but it's also a social thing to do at yeah. the same time. Um, and I really like that aspect of, of yeah. running and, and endurance events. I, th I think so. The ninety percent of the running I do, ninety five percent of the running I do, I do on my own, mm. and I love it for that reason. Mm. But then the five percent I do when I do say a GB Ultra's event, yeah, yeah. which I'm doing in, in a week's time, um, I love also. Yeah, the, exactly. It, it's so nice to catch yeah. up with everybody, and I'll see Gareth and I'll see Nicola, who are coming on the show mm. as well. You know, they mm. both ultra runners. Yeah, so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I did that all the way through secondary school. Um, and when it came to doing A-levels, going to college, um, I basically picked the subjects I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and amongst that was English and also PE. See, I think that's yeah. where our lives differed. I didn't pick the subjects I enjoyed. I went into construction right. and I was guided into construction. Right. And I wish I hadn't. Yeah, yeah. I know you shouldn't have regrets. I wouldn't call it a regret, but... I definitely, there are other things that yeah. I would have liked to pursue. Yeah. Yeah, it was, what the, I suppose, the, one of the better decisions, really. Yeah, because um, it's creative as well. You express yourself. Exactly. Um, but that also coincided with a period of time when I was, when I was, when I was ill. Um, yeah. So at the end of what was then the fifth year, um, school and moving into college, I ended up with glandular fever. I didn't know I had that at the time. Ended up in hospital. Um Ended up having to have an abscess removed because I'd got so run down. Um, so I had to have that removed from my chest. Um, and really, I, I never really got back into I just running think in a the Total Recall. Have you seen Total Recall, the film where he's got this? Yeah, being I have seen living, that. Yeah, that's being it. living inside him. I wish it had warned me actually because <laughs> when um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know it was so deep. So when they removed the packing, it was all packed out. Yeah. And I looked down and I could actually see my sternum. So, oh my word, yeah. Yeah, I nearly fainted. Um, so obviously I had all of that to deal with. And to be honest with you, at, by that point, I just had enough of running, really. Yeah. It got to the point where I thought, that that's it. Um, it's funny, I think all stress and mind-created things, if it's not dealt with in the right manner, um, it manifests into a physical entity and you mm. become ill, you, mm. get a, you can get a disease or mm. you can be run down. And so there'll be a reason mm. for that happening. Mm. And there might be other things going on in your life. And mm. ironically, the one thing you need, when you, the two things you need when you're running are your legs and your lungs. Mm. And it came out of your chest. Mm. So yeah, who knows I, what messages are there? No, that's it. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but the only sort of message I heard in my own head at the time, well, running's no use. Um, so for some ridiculous reason, I thought, well, if I can't run, I might as well smoke. I might, <laughs> as, well, I might as well go drinking instead. <laughs> but I can relate to that. If I'm on a, a strict diet, which I frequently am, and I don't mean strict as in necessarily quantity food, just what I eat, try mm. and you know eat healthy. Yeah, yeah. If I go off script on a Monday, I mm. think, well, there's no point now. I've had a cake. Yeah, it's yeah. all over. Yeah. And the week goes out, you know, and the same, I think, if you can't run at all, then yeah. you can mm. go the opposite way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like that anymore. Mm. It took me a long time to, to learn that lesson. But certainly when I was 17, 18, um, and when I went off to university, that, that was it. Yeah. It was all bets off. And I don't remember running at all, really, no. um, from that point on. I do remember um, doing a lot of things that weren't particularly very good for me. Yeah. So then you started, you, you're into drinking, which I did, everybody mm. does at college anyway. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, you go through that period and, and smoking, mm. you know. Mm. And that un unhealthy pattern, 
carried on for quite a long time after. Yeah, it did carry on for, for a long time afterwards. Um, I ate a lot as well. Yeah, because so if the viewers at home hadn't seen pictures of you, and I'm sure if they look hard enough, oh. they'll find <laughs> one on social media, but um, you've got a picture of yourself sort of, I'd say, what, five, seven years ago, maybe something like that? Um, possibly a bit longer. Oh, a bit longer. Yeah, a bit that. longer than that, yeah. And, and you're twice the size. Yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Maybe not quite twice, but yeah, I was getting on, getting on for that way. And in fact, it's only when I look back, there's very few photographs actually from that point in time. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I used can to hide. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't feel good, you don't really want no. to record that. No. In any way. No, I certainly wouldn't have been doing this. No, no, no. Absolutely not. I we were talking off her before, and I think it's. I explained to people that even though I was ill last year, I carried on with the radio. It was one of mm. the very few things I could still do. Mm. And it was therapy for me. Mm. It helped me. So mm. each time we have this chat and I do, say, a show here or a show on the radio, mm. somebody comes on and we talk about the life. But I relate to it. I talk mm. about my life. And it, it is therapy for mm. me. I yeah. benefit from doing my health and my mental health benefits yeah. from doing the radio and the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sharing, talking Absolutely. and sharing. Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah. there's an absolutely crucial message there for anybody that's struggling with anything. Yeah. Watch my show. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Watch the show and, and speak to somebody. Yeah, talk. Um, and whatever whatever yeah. it is that you're trying to um, overcome or accomplish, you just can't do it on your own. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's one of the big sort of things about the sort of journey that I've been on, really. It took me a long time to realise that despite having a lot of advantages, so going to college, going to university, staying on at university. Yeah. Um, I didn't leave as soon as I could. I stayed on as long as I could. But despite all of that, I still ended up in the mess that I was in. You know, my best thinking had got myself into that position. Yeah. And I realized I needed to to reach out and, and to speak to other people about how they'd got themselves out of yeah. those unhelpful patterns of thinking. I think for most people, the first, the start of the healing process where the pivotal point where you turn around is when you reach out felt and say, I'm struggling. Mm. I need help. Mm. How did you do it? Yeah, exactly. And from there, which is what you're doing because people inspired you and you're doing the same now because people will understand why when we continue with this conversation. But you're now inspiring people and saying, you know, I was struggling, I mm. was depressed, I drank, mm. I smoked, mm. I was unhealthy, yeah. I had other problems, and and I've turned my life around, mm. and these are some of the ways you can do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, that, that's certainly one of the ways in which I try and approach everything. Um, you know, you, you've got to give it away, haven't you? Yeah. You know, whatever you want to keep, in one sense, you do have to try and uh, pass it on and give it away. Um, if yeah. you want to keep it for yourself. Yeah. So helping somebody else. I mean, uh, there was somebody a couple of years ago that I, I, I tried to help and he kept thanking me and I was like, I'm actually doing it for myself. <laughs> you're <laughs> benefiting I'm, from I'm it. I'm doing it for myself. You're benefiting from it. They say, I say everything in a stagnant pond dies and mm. life, energy, blood, um, chi, call it what you like, mm. but things need to flow through yeah, you. Exactly. You're a vessel. And if you stem the flow with with anything in your body and tension does that if you have tension in the system if you don't get that tension mm. out everything becomes rigid mm. things stop flowing mm. and you become ill mm. and it's same with money if you have money and you just hoard it mm. and keep it mm. you're not going to attract more of it to mm. you you need to give it and spend it and i don't mean throw it away in materialistic stuff mm. what i mean is circulate if, if you're prosperous then mm. you know Enjoy that by all mm. means, but help other people. Help others, yeah. yeah. Try and give it away a bit. Yeah. Exactly. So what would you say, Marcus? Would it be when you started to talk about 
your issues and problems. Was that the turning point for you? Uh, that was partly the turning point. Um, like anything else, it was having children really that that, that really uh, crystallised um, yeah. the idea that I had to change. When you see that the consequences of your choices and actions affect mm. other people. Yeah, and it wasn't a sudden thing. So when my mm. daughter was born, it wasn't it wasn't like a light bulb moment f for change. Um, initially, it didn't happen straight away. Um, but I became very, very aware yeah. that I've, I had a responsibility towards somebody else um, for the first time ever, really. Yeah. And in, um, in life, the biggest, the best way to teach anybody anything is by example. Mm, exactly. And I realized that that was not setting a great example uh, no. for her at all. Um, so then I, I did, in fact, the year that she was born, um, she was born in, in August and the year after I'd, I'd got fit enough to be able to run a marathon but I was only sort of halfway into it at that point yeah um, it wasn't I didn't view myself as being a runner I didn't view myself as being healthy I was just literally going through the motions um, but it was the starting point yeah um, we, you and I both know that and the guests on the show Chris Reddy's been on the radio is mm. coming on here Gareth Kilshaw and also Nicola Bruce have been mm. on the show. They're coming on here. Yourself. Brilliant. I've had a few other people. And running seems to be a common theme for mm. a lot of people. And it's mm. a part of the recovery, helping mm. uh, for mental health and physical health. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it, it really did. And I think one of the things that um, that training for that first marathon, um, I was absolutely out of my um, absolutely out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Completely. Um, but I felt I felt at peace. Um, yeah. I felt very ill actually after that first one. It was a Windermere marathon. Yeah. Um, I felt really ill when I finished. Um, but I did feel this strange sense of peace and I think there was a, a certain willingness there to to um, to change. It didn't happen straight away. Um, it, it took another good few years to be honest. I think she was four yeah. before I really grasped hold of, of everything. And by that point, of course, it had just got worse. Yeah. Um, I was in complete denial, really, about how sort of depressed I was, um, and how I was using all of these maladaptive ways of coping with that. I mean, I was I was a walking cliche. I was burying myself in work. I was working yeah, as much I've done that. and as hard mm. as I possibly could, purely as a way of distracting myself. I've worked till failure. Where I've, I've done I've done it on several mm. occasions where I worked to the point where I collapse. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can I can certainly relate to that sort of mental. Um, collapse and the the very odd thing was and the very bewildering thing was the fact that the the harder i worked externally the more successful i seemed to be yeah um, the more discord and out of alignment yeah. your actions and your inner emotional state was exactly and and that's that's precisely it and that caused a great deal of confusion i thought how on earth can i feel like this and yet here i am climbing the uh, the ladder yeah, and externally people are sort of looking up to me as an example and I knew inside I was mm. just absolutely shambolic I absolutely yeah. shambolic ironically by sharing your story and saying actually I was struggling I wasn't happy and showing that you know you, you were broken at the time because mm. we're all broken and, mm. and his tummy where says that's where the mm. light gets in and Rumi has a similar quote mm. you know uh, the cracks are where the light gets in but by showing your vulnerability that's the proper example mm. when you say, actually, it, I'm not okay mm. and it's okay. Yeah, that's you know, it. That we're, we're all struggling. That's it. And that, that was a big realisation um, for me. Um, and that all came to a, to a point and I just literally thought, I cannot live like this anymore. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I do not want to live like this anymore. There must be um, a better way. Mm. Um, Maybe give your kids a shout out now as well, because we discussed them. What are your kids called? Uh, Amelia yes. um, and Matthew. Amelia so, and Matthew. Hello, Amelia and Matthew. I think right. I will look at the yeah, camera. Yeah, you can look give at the camera. Give them a little wave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With running, I'm using running as an example, but we can achieve a meditative state. Mm. And I know if I do any endurance sport, mm. and I do it for a long period, especially if I'm in nature, mm. after the first hour or so and I settle in and mm. I get a sustainable rhythm, I'm in bliss. Mm. I'm just in bliss because all the problems I have disappear. I focus mm. on my breath. Mm. And you also know, you've, you've been through this process and done running and stuff, but you're, now you meditate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah so I do. Yeah, I do. I try. I try. Yeah. Um, I try not to judge it because I still mm. think I'm, I'm mm. not particularly oh, good at it. you'll be in trouble. Oh, no, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, and it's not something that comes easily or naturally. I have to have reminders. In fact, I've got one on my phone that reminds me phone and my watch and so on that reminds me to do it yeah um, and sometimes it's only for a couple of minutes mm. and it's literally that I, I i'm certainly no expert at it it's just focusing no. on the breath um and i do find that it does genuinely help to yeah. just bring things down and not sure uh, a big part of it is developing a regular practice and mm. that's whatever works for you mm. but if you meditate you can have cumulative mm. or reactive and if you react meditate mm. where you have a situation mm. you're stressed and then you react to that situation by meditating you will benefit mm. and it will help and it'll bring you from highly mm. stressed so in a plus 10 mm. down to a plus five mm. if you have a cumulative practice where you meditate every day mm. and every night and develop inner peace so that you become more mm. relaxed and more relaxed mm. more relaxed then when you're stressed mm. then you go from minus 10 to minus five, but mm. you're always in mm. the, the minus range, the mm. peaceful range. Yeah, and that only comes with a regular meditation. That's practice. the aspiration. Not yeah. quite there yet. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it is I'm an still aspiration. still at plus 15. <laughs> yeah. I, I can have periods in my life where I've been very peaceful, and I have. I've had months where I've done a lot of retreats and I've been mm. floating around. Mm. And then I have other periods when I've been setting this studio up mm. and, and getting this up and running where. Which is amazing, I, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I love what I'm doing, mm. but I've become almost obsessed with what mm. I'm doing and I'm just focused and I am on it, mm. you know. But if it's something I'm passionate about, mm. there's a difference between being like that with something you're not enjoying and which yeah. is making you ill. Yeah. I'm something you're passionate about because it's not light work. Yeah, I yeah. am just doing what I love. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. and I love, I love doing this. Yeah. Having a chat. Yes. There's, yeah. there's more than just having a chat, though. I'm sort of looking around. This is... Uh, this really is very high tech. Good, good. Well, it's I'm brilliant. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, good. good. Well, there's a lot of lot of work gone into it. We yeah. try and make it look effortless and simple, but it's, it's yeah. A lot of well, work I did realise that when I came on on the radio show. Yeah. Um, I thought you you just make it seem very very easy, but well, I was looking at what you were doing. I I've had seventy goals at it. That's yeah, why. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> isn't. There's far too much here that could go wrong. Yeah. Well, it's just well well practiced, well rehearsed, yeah. and I obviously I have a lot of help. Well, a lot mm. of help. Willow helps me. So. Mm. If I'm in studio, mm. I need somebody outside the studio yeah, yeah. helping organise yeah. with the guests and things. So I, I do have her. Yeah, she made me feel very welcome. Hello, yeah. Willow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she certainly did. So, Marcus, uh, we're coming towards the first part of the show. It's over and we're going to have a little break. Okay. And we'll be right back after this. Sounds good to me. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Midnight McBride Show, and this is part 
2, episode 5, The Happy Chappy, and I'm joined by Mr. Marcus Chester. Hello, Midnight. Still Hello. here. Still here. Yeah. So, Marcus, we've talked about your life journey mm-hmm. up to sort of we're here. I quickly just talk about smoking and drinking because mm. I know what's quite unusual is for me anyway, nearly everybody, what they do is they stop drinking first mm. and then stop smoking mm. while they're not drinking. Mm. And I, because I had several attempts at stopping to smoke and mm. every time I tried, as soon as I had a pint of alcohol, mm. no willpower and I started mm. smoking again. Mm. And you did it the other way. You stopped yeah, smoking the other way first, around, yeah. But yeah. still, but still drank. Yeah. 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 That must require, yeah, some, some uh, metal. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not sure why it happened in that order. Um, I know yeah. when my daughter was born, when Amelia was born, like I said, I started training for that marathon. Well, yeah. I say training. Um, yeah. I, I just didn't really know what to do, so I just went out running. Um, and smoking certainly doesn't help with that. Oh, I, no. I remember I did a triathlon. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Marcus. And when I did my first few triathlons, I was still smoking. Mm. And somebody looked around and I was hit behind my car uh, when I was, I'd right. just done a triathlon yeah. and I was having a cigarette behind the car. Yeah. I just looked down at me and went, shook the head and went, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. because it was completely counterproductive. Yeah, of course I was trying to get healthy in one yeah. respect, but still putting all the poisons yeah, in yeah. the body. That's and it. that was a wake up call for me. I thought, I, I must, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. for me was smoking yeah. to go. Exactly. So I think that was, that was certainly part of it. Um, I just think I enjoy drinking more. It's as simple as that. <laughs> so I kept, I, I kept hold of that one. Um, I, I think that that was, that was it. Yeah. Um, I think for me as well, if I drank, I felt terrible the next day. Mm. If I smoked, uh, although long term it was doing yeah, a lot yeah. of harm, I didn't. Mm. And that I used to have some terrible, terrible mm. hangovers. Mm. Were really low, depressed, mm. uh, proper dip when yeah. I'd been drinking, and that's that had to go for me. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, up and down, I yeah, needed yeah. a little bit of. Yeah, that's it. That I can certainly relate to that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was in that order. Um, I think it was about twenty. It must be twenty twelve. Last time I had a cigarette. Mm. Um, yeah, that was it. So we'll touch on now. We're we're in the present moment. Mm. So we've arrived. Mm. We've covered your journey a bit. Not as much details we did on the radio, but mm. people sort of know what you're about. So. So you're a teacher, Marcus, mm. and you teach English. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen some of your posts, and you're a big fan of literature. Yeah, and, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the post you did very recently, uh, we won't go too much into the specifics of the event, but obviously Caroline Flack passed away. Mm. And you did a post about Love Island. And mm. I don't know if you noticed, but Willow shared it. Right. I read it and liked right. it. And it was very well written and very poignant about how you can say, you know, it's terrible what's happened, but then still watch Love Island. And, mm. and if in doing so, you're part of that mm. problem. You're part of the machine, aren't you? Mm. You're a viewer. Mm. I've never seen Love Island, but mm. it's never appealed to me at all. No, it's never but appealed to me. And I actually avoided using um, the name of the show. I know you didn't put it yeah, in. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't and put it I in. And I was thinking, think, which show is it? Yeah. And I didn't know about Caroline Flack. Then mm. I saw the headline... And then I saw somebody put a comment, and I think mm. asked you. Yeah, that's And only right. at that point, because I, I didn't know which yeah, yeah. it was. But yeah. I think the, the, the general point is that when, if we go back to some of the things that I used you, to you do. You didn't actually mention Caroline Flack or Love Island, no, but no. I think that was what drove it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the, the general point was um, 
that I think we we always need to be mindful about what we're taking in. Um, so whether it's eating two pizzas of an evening, like I yeah. used to do sometimes, or or drinking, or smoking, or whatever it is, um, and and the same goes for for what we consume culturally. I think um, you know what we choose to listen to, what we choose to read, what we choose to yeah. watch, can have a profound impact on our own well being. But then the the other sort of general point is, I think sometimes people don't fully, I'm certainly not claiming to, fully understand the impact of their actions and that they do have a repercussion over time. And taking that one particular incident, you can't, I think, point to the the bad people over there. Um, In that case, it might have been the tabloid press, for example, and say it's the fault of the tabloid press. When in fact, the tabloid press are just a reflection of other people you know we are all part of it and you yeah. can't you can't choose to 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 blame a certain section of culture or society as if you're somehow separate from it and still consume the very same program that, that's led to that and i just found that in that particular case it seems quite horrific really that that i think is the third yeah. death or suicide that's that somehow I'm not saying that it's certainly not saying for a second that it's caused that, but it certainly is part of the same system. Yeah. Well, I think there's been Sophie Graddon and Sophie mm. Graddon's boyfriend, I think, and then another guy at the show, no, Caroline Flack. So there's been a, a few connected right. with the show. Yeah. yeah. I think what we need to be remember is that every time when I move my hand like this, everything we do has ripples mm. in the universe. Every action you take mm. has a consequence. Mm. You know, mm. a cause and a, a consequence as well. And yeah, with you having children, you became aware of it then. Mm. But everything we do has an, an effect. Mm. Yeah, And also, there's a quote in my book, and it says, to be told something one is, once is to be informed. To be told something again and again is to be conditioned. Mm. You are now being programmed. Mm. You have to be very careful about the seeds you plant in the garden that is your mm. mind. Mm. Whatever you put in there, mm. be very careful because it will perpetuate. Mm. Everything you focus on, you feed and move towards it. Mm. Another quote from my book. Everything mm. you focus on, you feed and move towards mm. it. So you have to be very careful mm. and consciously choose mm. about what you give your attention and your energy to. Yeah, exactly. I think that that that's it. That's what I should have <laughs> That should have just been my focus. <laughs> yeah, just be careful about what you're giving your attention to. And I'm not for one second um, proclaiming to be any sort of expert or to get it right all of oh. the time. It just seemed a very curious thing that there's a lot of people, you know, quite rightly saddened by such an event, but yet still consume one of the, the sorts of products, if you like, of a culture um, that... that in somehow as as somehow led to that, yeah, um, it just seems a very sad state of affairs, really. Yeah. Um, so, Bolton Marathon, mm. we've got a new marathon coming up. Yeah. It's been a long time, and I said, yeah. on the let's sh- talk about something positive. Yeah. yeah, I talked about. I mean, obviously, I brought that up. I, with every show, I like to have humour as well, yeah. but I also like to talk about serious yeah. things. You know, you know that I went running with Sam's Warriors and mm. they did a coach to 5K and I went sort of supporting a bit. And the guy who won the last Brunton Marathon, Nigel, came mm. to support as well, which yeah, is very yeah. nice. Yeah. And he's the reigning champion 30 yeah. years ago, yeah. uh, thereabouts. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to be... I've got a funny story to tell you about him Go at, for some it. Po- Go for <laughs> at some this point. This is a good time. Yeah, well... Um, 
when I was talking about running as um, as a kid, um, I got a Saturday job, um, and it was a shop on Chorley Old Road um, called BT Running Sports. Um, and it was owned by um, a guy called Tony Leonard, um, who's still involved in the in the world of running. Yeah. Um, one day we went. It was a Sunday. Um, Tony said, hey, "Do you want to work for me on a Sunday? We'll be in the van." Fine. So off off we went. We turned up at a race. And we were just selling stuff from the, the stock from the back of the van. Nigel Barlow um turned up and said, Could you could you look after my bag while I'm while I'm running? Uh, so we did and we sold as much stuff as we could. I think it was a ten mile. You didn't sell said. his stuff, did you, by no, the way? No, no, we, uh, we didn't. <laughs> the, the race set off. Um and we we then packed up everything back into the van and moved on to another event, another and race. Forgot. Forgot his kit was in the back of the van. <laughs> and of course, this is in the days long before mobile phones yeah, or yeah. anything else. So I still feel a bit guilty about the fact that he'd have absolutely legged it around this 10 miler and won it, no doubt, in a ridiculous time. Um, got to the finish line. And of course, all of his dry kit was in the back of our... Oh. Was in the back of our van. Yeah. Nigel, if you're watching, Marcus is here. I'll give yeah, you his number. I was responsible. For, <laughs> well, it wasn't me. I, I couldn't drive at that point. <laughs> no. I didn't think I was going to be able to do the Bolton Marathon because I went through the schedule and it was a couple of weeks before the first 100 mile of the Chester 100. Mm. However, it's it's two weeks before and I think that's a very good time to yeah, chuck, yeah. In, a, chuck yeah, in a marathon. So I'm yeah. going to do it. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. I'm going to do it. It's going to be a really good event. I've been yeah. training on the course. Um an awful lot. Yeah. Um, I've done little sections of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's tough. Um, it's hilly. Um, in fact, we talk about the Windermere Marathon. I think it's got 200 feet extra total elevation, yeah. more than the Windermere Marathon. What, what is the elevation on it? Do you know? 1,800 feet. Right. For Bolton. Um, right. So it is. It's a challenging. It's perfectly runnable. It's a mm. it's a great course. It really is. Um, but it's challenging. It's something good for the town. It's become quite a nice focal yeah, point well, for a lot of. I remember being groups. a kid, and it was a big deal. Mm. You know, a really big mm. deal. But the, yeah, the the marathon's a couple of weeks before, so I'm pretty sure I can do that now, which I'm really happy about because yeah, I want yeah. to. Yeah, you good, know. Good. And I've done li Bolton Triathlon Club, although mm. I don't do triathlon anymore. Mm. I have been doing some runs with them on mm. Saturday morning with Craig Platt. So a big shout out to Craig Platt. And he's been breaking it up, and they have done sections mm. of it. Yeah, Just, yeah. you know, six miles, ten yeah, miles, yeah. six miles, yeah. breaking it up. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. Fantastic. Yeah. It's been, it, it, running is, is completely and utterly um, been one of the central planks of, of feeling better. It, it really genuinely has. It's not the only thing I've, I've done, um, but it, it, it's, it's certainly one of the things that each day I make a conscious effort to build in some time yeah. um, that I can get out, go for a run. Um, I, my preparation, I've got the Chester 50 coming up next Saturday, and my preparation should be um, very different than what it's been. I, I've, I've only done maybe two runs a week, three runs a week at the most. Right. The biggest run I've done 16 miles, so I'm way off. Mm. However, um, I'm hoping still to mm. do that next week, yeah. assuming I can be back on time on the Friday. Yeah. But last year, what I was doing, I got it wrong last year, I was doing it the other way. Seven days before, I'd go and run the course. So if I did a 50 miler, I'd run 50 mile the Sunday before. I did it, I did it three times and oh. I still got round, but yeah. I, was, I wasn't in great shape. No, so I overdid no. it last year. Yeah, yeah. This Just year, I've not, not had yeah. as much time to train. Yeah. So 
I'll there you go. This, this is a difficulty, isn't it? It's just finding that elusive um, balance in everything that we do. Yeah, that's that's crucial. So the radio show, when you came in to do the radio, Marcus, mm. and I said we had a lot of positive response from that. A lot of people, I don't know whether they, you know a lot of people or whether mm. it's it's your voice. I'm not sure, but we had a no, lot of just, I know a, a lot of positive people. response from that. <laughs> When you came, Stu and Anne from the radio actually grabbed Odie and dragged him into the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, did you did you ever listen to I that? I did listen to that. Ah, yeah, good, good. I, I, did, I listened yeah. to it as soon as I left the studio. Yeah, I got in the car. There's a little link on the website. Yeah, I got yeah. to the website. Yeah. Listened to the last three shows. I went on the show, and so I listened to you in the yeah. car on the way. Yeah. I, it's a great thing that because any show I want to listen to, I can I can put it on Bluetooth yeah, yeah. and listen to it in the car. Yeah. You know, so it's great. Yeah, yeah. But I listened to that and. Yeah, you were a bit shell shocked. It was fun. I was. It was, it was literally good. just dragged in. Um, answer. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, we had, let me think, Howard, uh, firing questions at you. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. you weren't prepared, obviously. No, no, you know, no, no. Yeah, well, that's live radio for you. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, it was yeah. good. I enjoyed it. On the show, Marcus, you told me about the fact that you're writing a book. Mm. Now, mm. the next show I'm doing, show number six, is with a lady called Stina Marie, mm. and she has written three books in 12 months, which is oh. phenomenal. Yeah. You know, wow. um, phen phen phenomenal. Yeah. Try and say that. Phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And I talked to her about it and she's, she's just prolific. Mm. And, but her first book is a book she wrote. The other mm. two books are compilations of mm. different authors who have written to be part of this group and right. her, her movement. Yeah, this yeah. book. Yeah. But still, to put that together is yeah, incredible. That's it, some know. output in 12 months. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, Marcus, a little bit about your book. Well, anybody that's listening to the radio show or is watching this, um, if you're still here, hello, um, you probably might have the idea that things sound a little bit bit bitty um, and, and that sort of my experiences are a little bit sort of disjointed. Um, and, and in my own head, they were a bit disjointed, really. Yeah. Um, so it was a conscious effort. I started about 12 months ago, a conscious effort just to try and put events in order um, as a way of me sort of just working my way through these and, and remembering different bits. Yeah, it's um, therapy as well. It's cathartic, yeah, bit, isn't it? Writing? A bit of yeah. therapy. Um, and as I started writing it, there were some things that I started to think, actually, other people might benefit a little bit from this because I am sure that other people have got to points in their life where they've thought, literally, what's the point? Um, you know, mm. why are we here? And so on and so on. And I'm not professing to answer any of those big questions. I'm just saying this is how I found my way through what to me were a very confusing and bewildering set of circumstances. Yeah. Um, how did I, for example, um, recover in a sense from feeling very depressed? Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I started to write about. Um, if it helps a couple of people to make that first step towards approaching their GP and explaining things, yeah. fantastic. If it helps people to realize that actually some of the things that they're doing aren't necessarily the problem. One of the things I realized over the last few years and when I started writing was the fact that alcohol and smoking and pizzas and everything else, they aren't the problem. No. Um, the problem is myself and the problem was what was going on inside yeah. my own head. Um, so I started writing that. Um, of course, one of the problems of having a, a, a background in English and in literature is you're constantly, I certainly, I'm constantly comparing what I'm writing to what I know to be good examples of writing. And that's yeah. a huge barrier. Um, yeah. It's not helpful. 
I really think it isn't helpful if you want to be a writer to have studied English. Yeah, I think you'd be better <laughs> off. I, I genuinely mean that. I think you'd be better off studying yeah. history or something. Yeah. Um, so I've got that barrier to get over. I'm still at the stage, I've written about 90,000 words, so I've got a lot now. Yeah. Um, it's just trying to find the through line. Um, yeah. It is going to be something that has the through line of running. So running will be literally one of the things that I write about, but also a metaphor. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. My my book, the first book from Pills to Peace, I think that's that's about sixty thousand mm. words. Yeah, you know, so yeah. you're into the realm of four four five hundred pages there. Yeah, with what that's you've got. it. So it's going to need a, an awful lot of editing. Yeah. Um, and I, I just need to now go back to the beginning really and start to impose mm. more of an order on it, and get yeah. it into that sort of shape I before find, editing. Yeah. The, it's very difficult and I struggle. Well, I can't basically write a book while I'm in this environment doing mm. my everyday life. Mm. I have to be secluded for a mm. little while. I'll put that time aside and at least get the bulk done. Mm. And you've done it whilst you're working and mm. in small small pieces. Yeah, I, I need it. big blocks and yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult. It, it is difficult. Obviously, teaching um, is a demanding job. Yeah. It takes up an awful lot of time. It's a fantastic job, um, but it takes up a, a huge amount of time. Then there's family time, then there's running and everything else. Um, I think technology's helped. Yeah. Um, so that would be one sort of tip. You know, you can you can pretty much pick up any device and carry on with whatever it, it is. Yeah. Um, so that that's helped an awful lot. And you can narrate now as well. Yeah. You know, um, which I'm sort of getting into now mm. where I'm trying to narrate rather than type because it speeds up the process yeah. massively. Yeah, it does. It does. In fact, some of those 90,000 words have literally been, I don't actually do it anymore, um, but where I've had my phone with me and I've been running Yeah. and I've literally just been saying what's been, what I've been thinking yeah. about well, and then editing it afterwards. I'm too cool for school. I permanently and constantly have a dictaphone with me. Right. And I think I look like, what's the character that... Um, on the radio, Alan Partridge. Oh, he always no. used to have a dictaphone. Oh, with oh no, yeah, yeah. 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 I have yeah, a dictaphone with me right. because once I start thinking about something and I just, I, yeah. I go and I yeah. have to catch it there and then, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, I think you do. I think that's some, that's a good tip for anybody that wants to be creative. You can't rely on on your memory to remember it. I've, no. I've written so many, what I think are fantastic lines in my head, not written them down. And, and 10 minutes later, I yeah. can't remember them. Because you've got to, not just remember the words, you've got to ha remember the feeling, yeah. that inspiration, yeah. how you how you felt at the time of yeah. thinking it to recall yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And so I, I dictaphone is the way for me that yeah. helps a lot. And it's even got a USB thing on, so I can get my dictaphone, record a load of stuff, stick it in my computer. Right. I can import all the audio recordings Straight into the computer. Away, yeah. So that, that helped me. Yeah, it does. It does. I think all of these things, um, you know, they're, they're really useful for anybody wanting to, to create anything. Yeah. yeah, have you got a title yet? No, I haven't. Yeah. Okay, that's no. a fun bit, and yeah. the, and the cover as well is yeah. a fun bit. Yeah. But some people think you should just plaster your face on it. I yeah. I haven't gone down that yeah. route with the ones I've done, but yeah. um, you know that's something to consider. Yeah, it yeah. is something to consider. Probably a, a way off off that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to. I'm actually looking forward to getting it finished because it's been an ambition of mine yeah. for, for quite a long time. Once you've got the bulk of it done. I thought the hard work had been done, but there's a there's a lot mm. in the printing, the yeah. editing, the cover, yeah. the blurb, yeah, yeah, and all, yeah. all the rest of it, and the production and stuff. Yeah. So there is still a you know a lot of work to mm. do, but a lot of that's fun. Mm. Some of that's mm. fun, you know. Yeah. So yeah, 
been, I have been looking into it. I've been looking into different ways of actually producing the thing. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm pretty confident of how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's literally carving out that time away from some of those other things that I've just been talking about to um, to get it finished, really. Yeah. Which school do you teach at, Marcus? Uh, St. Catherine's Academy in Bolton. Right. Yeah, so is that... Howard, have I got that right? Uh, it is, yeah, it's Ditchmill Lane. That's the big, right, because if I go running and I'm up in the hills, mm. it's one of the few schools you can just see it. Yeah, you will because be able to see it. Because it's huge, it. isn't yeah, it? it? It's is. very clear. It is, it's a large site. We share the site uh, with Thurwood High School, um, right. and there's also a primary school, St. Catherine's Primary School uh, there, so it is a large site. We've got a sixth form as well, um, and the site's a new build as well. It replaced the predecessor school was Withins. Um, That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, I've been there since September of last year. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, so, so you're fairly yeah. new there then. Yeah. 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 Right. New, new at that. Uh, new at that school. Yeah. And prior to that, you were. Uh, prior to that, at school in Stockport. Um, it must be better with the travelling, not having to go to Stockport. Yeah, I know. absolutely loved my time yeah. in Stockport. It was four. Spent four years there. It um, can take you an hour and twenty minutes on a bad day with traffic. Can't yeah, it? that that's it. The mornings were always fine, providing mm. I left about half six in the morning, which I, I'm a, a morning person anyway. I really like getting in at yeah. sort of five to seven, and that was it. Unfortunately, coming back in the yeah. evening at five, six, seven o'clock, there's many a time I've had to completely stop. Yeah, just pull over and just get get your tea and yeah, just like exactly. accept, accept it that accept you're not getting home in the holidays. You don't realise that, for instance, 10, 15 years ago, I'd commute to Leeds mm. and you could do it in about 45, 50 minutes. Mm. Now it can take you three hours because mm. the traffic has yeah. increased drastically. The yeah, roads yeah. haven't in, um, improved enough mm. to accommodate the mm. traffic. So, mm. So I won't. I wouldn't work in Leeds anymore. Yeah, I used yeah. to. But what you also don't realise, you think, well, it's only an hour in the morning, an hour at night and stuff. But you had that time off. Yeah, you had that. Yeah. Say two to three hours a day travelling, yeah. or an hour and a half each way, and basically, it's by the end of the week, it's like working another two days. Yeah, another the, fifteen hours. There certainly was that. I mean, I, I always used to try and make that time as productive as possible. Yeah, what you can do um, with that time? Yeah, yeah. So I'd listen to podcasts yeah. and so on and so on. I audio, um, I'm audio books all over that. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, but yeah, even so. It's still time spent in a in a car. Yeah. I think it goes back to the point I was making earlier about the uh, about the TV show. One of the things that I used to get quite angry at first, and then I thought, hold on a second, I am. There's <laughs> a bit yeah. of a theme here. I am the problem. I am mm. the traffic. I can't I can't blame the traffic over there and pretend I'm not part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. am the traffic. I am the yeah. traffic jam. You are in the traffic. You're uh, part of the traffic, and you're course. getting annoyed with the traffic. Of course. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So there was, there's, yeah, yeah. I used to, used to reflect on that one quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very nice. Um, in fact, it's fantastic actually teaching in my hometown, which I've never yeah. done um, particularly before. Spent a short period of time at another school in, in Bolton. Yeah. We've had to pack the drag show in at the weekends now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Um, well, you've completely thrown it. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, it is. It, it's, yeah, it's nice. Um, it's nice teaching in, in yeah. your hometown. Um, and the kids are fantastic. I see them all the time, in fact, because um, obviously I spend a lot of time on the streets running um, yeah. through Leverhulme Park and so on and so on. Yeah. Um, where we bumped into each other. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. where we yeah. met not that long ago. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quite nice seeing kids sort of waving and, you know, and they yeah. always say nice things as well. Good. Um, which, is, which is good. It's, it's good. I think another life lesson, if you're in traffic, that time I used to get very frustrated. And mm. now if I am traveling, I'm on a long journey. 
I think, right, what can I do with that time? Yeah. And I either listen to pre-recorded radio shows, mm. a podcast, an audiobook, and I've learned to really enjoy that time yeah. now. So yeah. by choosing, th- th- you can't change it, so mm. it's learning to, you know, make the most of it. Yeah, learning to adapt, learning to, mm. um, yeah, learning to make the most of it. Um, when, when, I, when things finally came to a head um, with me, I thought, well, my life isn't going to work out in the way in which I planned it. Um, And there's that quotation, isn't there, about, you know, you can spend half of your life climbing a ladder only to realise it's it's leaning against the the wrong wall. Yeah. And once I'd accepted the fact that things career-wise and everything else were going to look a bit different from what I originally intended, I really did find peace. Yeah. Um, Once I became sort of honest with that, and say, you know, this was the road I was on, but I've had to, I've had to take a step back from that, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something slightly different in a different way. It's um, a great lesson, I think. Yeah. Be rather than a, you know, they say a branch and it's in the wind and it breaks. It'd be like a reed, and what mm. you have to do is accept the fact that you're exactly. set off in one direction. Yeah. There will always be oscillations and fluctuations. Mm. That nothing is going to go exactly mm. like you want it to. But if you're open to change, yeah. you're willing to accept yeah. things as they are yeah. and make decisions as you go along, mm. make fresh choices. Mm. Life can just be a blissful journey. Yeah, it can. You know, it rather can. than you have a predetermined outcome, mm. that doesn't happen. Yeah. You get stressed, there's resistance in the system, mm. you become tense, and life's an uphill struggle. Exactly. And those predetermined outcomes, one of the things I've learned, they're all ego, really. Yeah, exactly. They, they really are. They're, yeah. they're just uh, misplaced attachments to things. Um, and and, and, and that, that really has been a, a lesson that I've, I've learned. Um, over a long period of time, I had to let go of that. And consequently, you know, I'm in a place now, and that would be my message to, to anybody else that regardless of where you are in your life and how you are feeling, um, whether it is through depression or, or something else, it, it does not have to be like that forever. And in fact, regardless of what you do, it will not be like that forever because the yeah. only thing that we can be certain of is that things will change. Yeah. Um, and it, whether you take those deliberate steps to try and change your life as much as possible um, or not really is really is down down to you. I'm going to just interrupt you there, Marcus, and we're going to have a short break now and we'll be right back after this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. And this is actually part three of this show with the very happy chappy show number five the midnight mcbride show with marcus chester hello marcus hello midnight very Hi. happy to be here again good good i thought with the way this conversation's gone marcus and i haven't talked about some of this stuff for a while but whenever i used to do meditation classes mm. retreats workshops mm. things there are certain stories and analogies that i used to use and i'm going to mm. use a couple now and one was Life can be either a blissful journey or it can be a struggle. Mm. And quite often, it's down to the choices you make. For mm. example, you can be swimming against the current in a stream, swimming against the flow. And as you're doing this, you can use the analogy, it's like universal energy and everything else. And as you're swimming against it, you're spending a lot of energy. Everything's a struggle. It's hard work and you're making mm. zero progress. Mm. You're not moving. The other way, when you embrace life, accept things as the way they are, mm. 
i.e. move with the current mm. and turn around and go downstream with the universal flow and the mm. current of the river or the stream, you can spend almost no energy, mm. just be sculling like this, mm. and you can be going at 20 miles an hour. Mm. So by learning to accept things as they are, mm. which is a lesson you've just been discussing mm. that you learned, it can be a game changer rather than yeah. resisting everything. If yeah. you resist something, Without meaning to, you oppose it, but if you're pushing against me, you hold it in place. Mm. The force of that is leaning against mm. you and it's draining. When you take away the resistance and you no longer oppose something, it just dissipates, mm. disappears and dissolves. Mm. So by taking away the resistance, by not opposing things, by acceptance and learning to go with the flow, mm. shall we say. Mm. If you want your life to flow, you have to let it all go. Mm. That's another quote from, mm. from Pills to Peace. And the other analogy I always used is about the external world. And I'm a lot happier now. Now, there's still wars. There's still lots of things in the external world that are going on that were always going on. Mm. The difference is I used to judge them. I used to have an opinion, ego-based usually, mm -hmm. and I used to resist them. Mm. Now, the only difference is... I don't let those external events control my inner emotional state. Mm. I choose mm. how I feel by being conscious about the decisions I make. Yeah. And consequently, um, I'm a lot happier. The external world hasn't changed. The way I yeah. re relate yeah. and react to the external world has. Yeah. And the final thing I'd say, and I always used to give this analogy, you have two people on the top of a cliff. And one of them is just rolling in ecstasy looking at the view. Mm. You know, beautiful view, hilltops and in bliss. The other is on the hands and knees, holding onto the grass. And they're terrified and traumatized and living in fear. Mm. One's in heaven, one's in hell. Mm. And the difference between the two is that the thoughts about the external world, they're in the same environment, mm. in the same location, having the same experience. The mm. difference is the thoughts and reactions in relation to the external world. Mm. So it's your inner emotional state and your thoughts that create yeah. your reality. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The yeah, I mean, complete complete agreement. In fact, I I can think of some practical ways actually that I've implemented some of those. Um, Go for so, it. Some of those things. Well, one, for example, um, I actually wrote about this quite a few years ago. I don't listen or watch the news anymore I in the morning. I know people say, yeah. don't you want to be informed? But I've stopped. Yeah. It's negative. Yeah. And you're told the same story over and over again. Exactly. So I'll exactly. let you finish, but I'm the same. Yeah. I haven't watched the news for a very long time. Well, now. I will do, but only when I choose to. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, do I feel any less informed? It's weird how you get to find out about the things that matter anyway. You somehow end up seeing something, hearing something, reading about it anyway. But what I don't do is deliberately, I used to yeah. listen to a news program um, every morning. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. No. It put me in a bad mood. Yeah, and well, it's negative. It's it, always negative. Of course negative. it was. It was always negative. I, I don't watch the news. However, I can be in a barber's getting a shave and mm. it'll be on a telly. Yeah. Or I'm in the gym and they've got screens on the Exactly. Right so I you am still... Pervades into my life, yeah. or I walk past and somebody's there's a newspaper on the side and I see the headline. See the so headline. I do still pick up some bits of news, but I don't watch the mm. news. Mm. I don't watch it anymore no. because half of it is half of it is very negative and and you're being programmed mm. and it, it's mm. propaganda, and the other half is lies. Mm. So I don't watch it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that and that's just something very very simple that I find had a massive effect. Yeah. The other thing about the external world is like things like email, for yeah. example. 
Um, in a previous life, I used to be almost a slave to email. It'd be one of the first things that I did in the morning um, when I got to work would be to check my email. Yeah. And on the surface of it, you think, well, that's surely part of what it is that you're paid to do. And of course it is. But the, the problem with doing it first thing in the morning, I soon realized, is that I was reacting to the external world. Yeah. So I could have made, on my journey to work, I could have made my, my plans to do X, Y, and Z with my time. And I knew what my timetable would be and the lessons that I'd have to you teach and so on. your day first and scheduled it. And then all of a sudden, there might be an email or several that would hijack that. Yeah. Um, that would, I oh, need to do this, you need to do this. So that's something else that I don't do anymore yeah. first thing in the morning. I wait until much later on in, in the day. I and tell choose. people, you have an energy field. And if you go back 20, 30 years ago and you were an accountant, you went into work, you did the accounts. Mm. Now you're going to work, your mobile phone rings, mm. you get a text message, mm. you get an email, yeah. your phone pings with social media. Mm. This energy field, your concentration mm. and your thoughts are constantly yeah. being interrupted. Yeah. And the only way to get around that now and still be connected to all these avenues is to turn the beep off mm. and have an allocated time. You want to look at your Facebook, mm. set aside 30 set minutes aside to do time, it yeah. and do it. In your schedule, yeah. don't be dictated to by constant by some, beeps yeah. and buzzes and interruptions because exactly. it, it's disturbing you. It is disturbing, um, and that's something that I, I have actually turned off on, on my phone. Um, I do use technology; I'm not yeah. anti-technology yeah. at all. Um, but I've turned the notifications off. You know, I don't need to be notified every time somebody presses like on something else and have my no. attention yeah. diverted in that way. I have the notifications on. I just have everything on silent. Yeah, and yeah. I try, unless it's something that I am waiting for, for mm. instance, if I'm doing one of these shows and I'm waiting for some feedback on mm. something, so I, I'm, I'm aware yeah. of that. But unless it's something like that, then I try and just look at the emails, messages and things like that as yeah. as it's appropriate for me. Being in control of that yeah. rather than being a slave to it. Exactly. And that, that choice about how... We yeah. react with our external world is something that you know we yeah. all have we are programmed and conditioned into thinking that we don't necessarily have that choice or that we are somehow missing out um if if we're not constantly connected but the problem is our attention is sort of doing yeah, this all of the time yeah, yeah. and um, you it's the little things it's these conscious decisions and learning how to manage certainly things that are invading mm. your energy field mm. It's learning how to manage these mm. that can improve your quality of life quite a lot. Yeah. You know, you don't realize how much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one, again, another lesson that I've had to learn the hard way really is I don't need to respond to, to everybody's points of view about things. No. Um, I've certainly, you know, no. learned that at work. A, a quote from the book again is, in order to have world peace, everybody's got invited. Mm. The second I say, I'm right and you're wrong, mm. then... How are we ever going to have world peace? Mm. So you have to be aware of somebody else's opinion. Mm. You don't always have to resist it. You don't mm. always have to oppose it. You no, don't it always have to say, this is how I see it. And I try and promote positive and focus on that. Mm. Not saying somebody's wrong, but mm. saying, this is what I think is right. Mm. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, Mother Teresa always said that um, if you have an anti-war rally, I won't attend. But mm. if you have a peace rally, I'll be there. Mm. Pro-peace. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice way of... Uh, viewing it i think that that's all we can ever do really isn't it just mm. keep certainly you see that in teaching all of the time um you know you can't you can't control people you can't control children and that's no. not our job to um your, your job is literally to try and be an example yeah. to show people one possible way of doing things 
and hope that you can do that with enough enthusiasm and enough conviction to get people to to follow your example but the one thing that just will not work because it comes down to the resistance thing you were talking about earlier is is to sort of try and strong arm people into into that position the way to go through life is not to try and change everybody else it's to get this right it's Mm. to get this absolutely right and if everybody did that Mm. Mm. we'd we'd all be sorted so you only have one job and it's to fix this it's not to go around shaping the rest of the world mm. and controlling everybody else and mm. telling everybody else what to do. Yeah. Get this right. Be in a state of bliss. You do the same. Mm. You do the same. Mm. And there'll be no more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that sort of it sort of brings it nicely around to how we started off about about moving around the country. And, um, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that I've, I've let go of is simply that 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 anger. You know, it's not my it, it's not my job to, to revisit that. Yeah. Um, it's just my job to, to get my head right about all of yeah. that. And I think if you focus on what you're doing and what not what everybody else is doing, because if you go around and you see what somebody's doing, you think, well, why are you doing that? That's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Instead, I try, and I'm not perfect by any stretch, but I try my best to focus on what I'm doing mm. and try and be a positive light, mm. you know. Yeah. And then get other people to say, well, he looks happy, maybe mm. I'll do that. Yeah. You know, or yeah. I, that's it. It's the example, yeah. rather than shaping everybody else. Yeah. Be this beacon. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, back in the um, back in the day, sort of twenty twelve. You know, I, I wanted people to um, just to tell me how to solve this, how to how to how to sort myself out. And the wisest people that I met in that journey, they didn't tell me how to do anything. Mm. They they suggested a few things. Yeah, but far more important than that, they just showed me. Yeah, um, they just show me that it could be done. I say, if you elevate yourself, then each time you raise yourself up, invite everybody to come mm. and see the view, mm. hold the hand, mm. but only they can walk the walk. Yeah. Only they can make that journey. Yeah. You can show them the way. Yeah, you, you know? certainly can't force and people into it. If there's a beautiful view, go back and say you want to come and see this view. Mm. It's great, yeah. and then they maybe follow you, yeah. and maybe maybe they'll come and have a look, and mm. but. You can't drag anybody there, can no, you? No, no. And to me, that's true leadership um, mm. in in that sense of the word, you know, because people will follow you. Um, you know, I reflect a, an awful lot about things like leadership and setting examples and so on. Mm. And to me, that is the very definition of leadership, to try and create an environment where people want to follow yeah. um, your example, rather than maybe a more sort of westernized version of leadership, which which is who can shout the loudest, who can yeah. be the strongest, and, who can and how many coerce. people you can control. Yeah, control, yeah. coerce, manipulate, manipulate yeah. into adopting a particular point of view. Um, anybody that's that's watching this that's new to teaching, for example, will know that the the latter way of doing things just will not work. You know, yeah. you, you can't you can't do that. Um, you know, you, you can't force people to behave in a particular way, to think a particular thing, to do things in a particular way. All you can ever do is just constantly sort of be that lighthouse, just lighting the you know the path yeah. ahead, um, and showing them a, a different way of doing things. Yeah. Do your yeah. best to live the best life you can and mm. inspire. Mm. You know, mm. Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's been fantastic to be yeah, here. I've enjoyed this just like I did with the radio, and it's therapy for me too. I love it. Yeah. You know, so thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to leave this show with a quote from the book, which I mentioned earlier. And I think it's relevant with what we talked about on this show today. And it's, to be told something once is to be informed. 
to be told something again and again is to be conditioned. You are now being programmed. Be very careful what you focus on and everything you focus on, you feed and move towards it. So be careful what you give your energy to. This has been Midnight McBride on show number five, the Midnight McBride show. You can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn at midnightmcbride.com on this channel that you can subscribe to and there'll be a new show out every week. You can also buy my book From Pills to Peace at Amazon and about a dozen other places. You can now listen to From Pills to Peace as an audiobook on Audible, iTunes, Amazon, ACX and some other places. And book two, Moving Forward, Learning How to Glide, that is Elevating yourself and propelling yourself forward using surrounding energies with zero resistance, with zero effort, in harmony with natural law. And that'll be out in about, hopefully, six weeks. Hopefully. Thanks for watching. It's been fun. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.